Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Dr. Cohen. Hi, are we live? We are, and you just had a surgery day. I just posted a pic of you in a red, you called it a bouffant? A bouffant. <laughs> that? Yeah, did I spell it right? Is that the... I think so. Is that the actual term, or is that something Yeah, they're bouffant caps. Yeah, they're bouffant caps. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was wearing red today. Normally, that's what the reps wear so that they know that they're reps, but I, there are no reps around, so I was like, I'm going to wear a red cap today because normally nice. everybody else wears blue. Well, uh, what was it like in the hospital today? This is, wearing, uh, wearing the red cap, you mean? April 7th. Yeah. Yeah. April seventh. Week of COVID. Yeah, week whatever of COVID. But you never. I mean, I guess you've been a doctor. You said last week for twenty five years. As I'm a doctor today. But yeah. Congratulations on twenty five years. Thank so you. Are you just used to seeing so many things that this doesn't frighten you, or do you, do you just put on a brave face? That is a phenomenal question, Lauren. So the answer is a little bit of everything, a little bit of both. So, you know, it's funny. I, I was thinking back to AIDS and HIV and and the precautions that we took and still take for that, you know, uh, universal precautions is kind of the term that that arose from the HIV, um, from HIV disease and AIDS. And... Mm-hmm. Um, which is wearing gloves and, you know, if you're dealing with blood, having eye, eye protection and all that. And there, there still is to this day, there still are to this day people who double glove, you know, who actually put on two sets of gloves thinking, and the thinking with that is it maybe will protect in case there's a needle stick. In my mind, I never embraced the double glove thing for two reasons. A, I don't know if it's true. Uh, that it really okay. does. I, th- I think if you're going to get stuck, you're going to get stuck, but maybe the amount of schmutz that goes into your system might be less. But the main reason for me was I found that if I'm wearing two gloves, my sensitivity goes. As it is with one glove, I feel like you're not as sensitive without gloves. So um, wearing two gloves, my sensitivity, my dexterity, you know, it's a little harder to move. It's a little tighter, even even though there are ways to wear two gloves and all that stuff. So in my mind, you're just careful with everybody, no matter what. And mm-hmm. I find that sometimes if you go above and beyond, you may either relax too much or just some of those extra precautions may cause, um, you know, a, a detriment in other in other ways. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, especially since you're doing such like intricate surgeries, I understand that. Yeah, and, so you kinda... and through the years, I've operated on a zillion people with AIDS, um, and, I, and I've seen a ton of them. And you know, everybody always think says about that. And, and you have in a the be- certain calm. Yeah, in the beginning, maybe I did, but at this point, I kind of the, the the reality and the feeling is is you should treat everybody as if they have something bad. So be careful, no matter what. It, it should right. kind of be the mentality. Um, with healthcare workers, I think now it's definitely a little bit more because of Corona um, with masks. You know, it, it's every week the the mask recommendation 
goes goes more and more extreme in the mm-hmm. in the world population too. So that's been kind of interesting. You know, in the beginning, it was you don't even need a mask at all, and then right. then only doctors and and caregivers in caregiving areas needed masks. Now it's pretty much at the hospital. Everyone should have a mask, and and they're giving out masks of some form or telling people coming in to wear some kind of face covering. So it's it's really interesting. And then even the the in Los Angeles now, there's even kind of advice that maybe even everyday people walking in the streets or going out should have some kind of it's not mandatory, but maybe consider it wearing some kind of mask. Personally, I think right. it's overkill. I still do. Um, mm-hmm. But it just kind of makes you nervous now that, hey, he's wearing a mask. Maybe I should be wearing one, too, is kind of the feeling now. It would. Yeah, I was in a Target line the other day. I finally found toilet paper. But you have to hey. stand on the yellow X's, like, right. three or six feet apart. Six and feet. that's fine. And I let so many people in the, the store. But, like, there was a guy dressed pretty much like a ninja because I think maybe that was the only face mask he had. And it's right. kind of just scary. It's like what it's are a little you doing? scary, mm-hmm. right? And don't you notice too, though? It seems like people are less friendly now because of that and make less eye contact. Oh, absolutely! And I'm one of them, and I feel so guilty because I feel like I can't breathe now because I don't wear a mask. So I'm like, when people say regular things like "excuse me," it's like I, I like freeze. Interesting. Um, and I don't like that about myself. I go out of my way to try to make eye contact and say hi to people. See, that's what I mean. You have this calm, and I maybe it's just like 25 years. Yeah, you're dealing with different diseases and ailments, and, I mean, yeah, you wanted to be a doctor, so you have the temperament. I definitely do not. Thank you. Maybe. It, it could be that. It could just be uh, I'm a stupid fool. Who knows? No. Nobody no. knows. Right. Um, but I did want to tell you that, you know, you talked about, I think on a podcast two weeks ago, about how you wanted to see people's facial expressions. Like, you right. didn't see, you know, if anyone's angry, what's going on behind the mask. Someone did make a mask that has, that, so you can see their mouth, and they made it for the hearing impaired, which I didn't even think of. Interesting. Read lips, wow, that's got to be a real really, challenge now. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but I thought that was a cool thing that someone stepped up and did. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I just had a patient come in with a new diagnosis of cancer. I literally just finished talking to them, and they're in masks, and I'm in masks. And normally, I feel like a big part of my meeting a patient and interacting with a patient is them being able to see my whole face and me seeing their face. So it's very strange, you know, talking to patients and families of patients now without any you know, face, you know, just eyes. It's, oh, it's yeah. kind of very interesting because, you know, one of the things I, I really like is to connect to the patient. And I find now I'm really trying to use my eyes much more to to mm-hmm. talk to people and connect to people. It's kind of a bizarre thing. Right. And, yeah, and you're giving them news like you want to be comforting and you probably lose that sense of comfort by your face being covered like that. Right, and and I like to tend to sometimes, you know, give be a little lighthearted, and sometimes even make some jokes to try to put people at ease. And I think mm-hmm. part of doing that is people could see my facial expression and know that I'm being, you know. So I I'm 
I'm a little cautious about, you know, saying certain things in certain ways now. You have to kind of be a little more, you know, exaggerate a little to some degree so that you're understood. Yeah. The subtlety, it's harder to be subtle without a mouth. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Well, I hope that it's, yeah, I mean, you guys are brave. Doctors and nurses are brave. Everyone agrees going to the hospitals every day. But I think from what I'm reading that we're at the peak of this and we just, the governor sent back 500 ventilators to New York. So I hope that it's going down, but I guess you're probably not noticing either way. The COVID no, patients. The, there, there is a feeling that, at least right now, that we're at a, a little bit of a lull. Uh, uh, but so some people feel your way. Some people feel like maybe the other foot. I've heard the other shoe is about to drop and we're just waiting on for a second peak. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that. I, I do think we're, we've done a decent job, but there's still a big concern uh, that there's still, there's more to come. But I, I do think that because we've been so aggressive um, in in keeping social distancing and quarantining and all that, I do think we are actually doing a pretty good job, despite, you know, the concerns and the crowdings and, and all of that. I, I do think those shouldn't, those are foolish people, um, at least yeah. now. Yeah. But I, I do think and hope that there isn't going to be another shoe dropping. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Right. And before, when we started this, the phone call podcast that we have to do now as we're both in quarantine, there was no, like, drive-through testing. Because I had mentioned that because an right. actor in Honolulu had drive-through testing. Like, when are we ever going to get it? It didn't – it seemed impossible. But I just read an article that that we had drive-through testing by me in, like, over in Redondo Beach, like, at a mall. Like, if you – have come in contact with someone that you know has it. Like you, you have to be a certain, you have to be symptomatic right. or know that you are in contact with someone, and right. then you can get on the list. And they have yeah. the drive-through testing. Right, right. There's still certain criteria. Yeah, there, and so that's popped up all over. I know at Malibu Urgent Care in Malibu, they have a drive-through testing. And I saw yesterday they tested, uh, I think 150 people drove through and got tested. So that's definitely happening, and the and the. There's even supposedly a 15-minute test result um, that you could do. This, the standard, I still think, the, the main one still takes a day or two to get back, but there are ones that you get the result in the same day. And I, I don't know why certain institutions and places are using one versus the other. That, that I don't totally know. But yeah, yeah. That, I don't understand either because I was listening to Bill Gates. He was on this. He was on Trevor Noah, The Daily Show. Right, that was, was my homework assignment how- that I didn't totally do. <laughs> No, it's, he was saying how in South Korea they were able to contain it so well because they had 24-hour testing. And here it's taken – I know my friend is a nurse, and she had to wait like a week to get her results back. Right. So was she negative? Yes, but oh, okay. she couldn't go to work, obviously. And right, right. Yeah. So what did – what did? Uh, so you're you're telling me about the Bill Gates thing. So what did he say? No, he was just saying different things, um, of ways that we can contain it. But the TED Talk – that you um, had mentioned, I looked up, Bill Gates did a TED Talk, and it was in 2015 he warned of this. So people are, like, spreading conspiracy theories that he's behind it just because he he was trying to warn people of what was coming. Right. And this is even a, you know, what he was warning was something even scarier. You know, he, he, luckily this seems like it's 
much less of a version of the thing that he was warning, right? He was warning us about a real crazy epidemic uh, that could be, you know, another type of um, Ebola, like something like Ebola. Yeah. And then he was saying how, you know, it could be used as like, he hadn't mentioned bioterrorism, but he's basically like, we need to spend more money on, you know, like defending microbes and not like bombs, you know, like we need to focus on what the real killer is going to be. And yeah. so, right. but he, but he is putting billions behind facilities to create um, a vaccine. Apparently seven facilities, so they're trying to make seven different vaccines. And he said that probably use two of them at most. I don't really know how vaccines work at all. I don't know if you know anything about that. But um, apparently billions of dollars will be wasted testing vaccines that are never used. But he yeah. said he just wants it to get it going. Yeah. Well, the, you know, vaccines typically they we use either dead or dying or nearly dead versions or parts or bits of the virus that has its infectious um, capabilities, and we try to, from that, have our own antibodies um, then build up, develop, that then become the vaccine. And then we could um, take those antibodies that are now um, against those viruses and then reproduce those and, and, and treat people with those uh, vaccines. And that's, Is that's, that what they were? Sorry, they were talking about like taking people's plasma. Is that part of like the the vaccine? Is that like part of building that? Well, that that's part of one of the thinking in terms of treating, um, you know, ideally people who have recovered from it should have antibodies um, from the virus. Now, one of the problems is we don't really know um, it yet. Although some people do, I I don't know yet um, if people who have had the virus and recovered, if they're uh, if now they're immune to it again. We we, we haven't figured mm-hmm. that out for sure, um, but it, they were giving it to people who were otherwise going to do maybe not survive. So kind of they had nothing to lose by giving the serum of these people to to people who were very ill. Okay. Yeah. And there's still. Have you seen anybody getting this uh, malaria drug that's always in the news? That like. I haven't. People are saying they may not. I haven't had any personal experience with it at all. Okay. Um, I haven't. Have you? Have you heard of it? No. I know the governor of New York was trying to get more because I guess he was just desperate to try something. But um, but New York had its worst. It had like 730 deaths today, which was like the most it had. But they had less people going into hospitals, so they're they're thinking maybe it's kind of you know they they're getting it's getting better because he was talking about people on ventilators. You would know about this. The people that went into the hospital, the longer you're on a ventilator, the less chance you have of survival. So that's why there's so many deaths today. It was like people. I gone into the hospital. I don't know, maybe like weeks before. Hmm. Well, usually, I mean that's not always the case, but you know, often you know someone who's been on a ventilator for a long time is now um, they're, they develop illnesses from other things. They're sick from just laying around. Now you know their their whole immune system screwed up, and and unfortunately, all the good treatments and therapies that we could give someone 
anytime always has adverse bad side effects. So you're always kind of battling um, the good and the bad and weighing the good and the bad. And people who have been on ventilators for a long time, their lungs haven't been working for so long and they're They've been deconditioned, so it's often a harder battle sometimes to recover when when they've been uh, sick for that long. So that that might be one of the reasons. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's out, he's obviously not a doctor, so that's what I was like. I thought I would ask you, but I mean, and also, yeah, this is, we talked last week about how this was like a movie. Like the prime minister of Great Britain is in the ICU of this disease, so it sounds. I mean, I know it's not bioterrorism, but it sounds like a bioterrorism movie when, like, the leaders of the world are are in the ICU because of this disease. Yeah, that's pretty. That really nuts. makes it makes it surreal, doesn't it? It it really makes it. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, but you're you're still managing. You're still doing well. You're still, thank God. Yeah. Thank. thank yes. Yeah, thank uh, everything. We're we're all still okay. So one thing is is you know we're doing the the test to see if you have it. More what's going to be more important and and it exists, but I don't know if it's being used yet. Is to look for immunity. You know we could test to see if people have the antibodies to the coronavirus. That's that's going to be an even more important test. And I think mm-hmm. if and when they could figure that out, I think that might lift the the quarantine faster. You know, if it turns out, hey, everybody's already immune and had it, then right. then a lot of this fear would go away. Um, and they're yeah, still absolutely. figuring that stuff out. But that's that's the more important thing is seeing, okay, he's had it and he's well. You know, he without having gotten tested for it when you're sick, more getting tested, do you have the antibody against it, and then we don't have to worry so much. Right. And, yeah, I am I am worried this week because uh, I have a lot of family in Long Island, and I've just read that that's, like, the real hot zone. Right. So... But the truth is, you know, this social distancing and this quarantining, it, it does work if, if you're if you're being good. You know, if you're right. staying in and not going out and, you know, you're going to be fine. So um, right. the problem is, is the people who start going out a little bit and start, you know, I heard on the news today, on the radio today saying, you know, if you really, if you don't have to go to the market, if you don't, or even if you kind of do but could get by, Give mm-hmm. it another week, everybody, is, is what I heard on the radio today. Because, you know, right. don't, don't start getting laid back or lazy about this. Because that'll, that'll help spreading this. Right. That's one of the things Bill Gates did say on The Daily Show was the tools we have right now are behavioral change. So and that includes social distancing and then obviously testing and more testing. But right. I thought that behavioral change was important. Yeah. The interesting thing, and I, did he discuss it, is how is this going to change the world, you know, after this? How are, th- are we going to – are people going to, from now on, a big populate portion of the population going to walk around in masks? You know, like you see in the news and when people travel, more so in Asia, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of mask wearing there. Is that going to become that's, the new normal, you know? That's interesting. And, yeah, because the debate about masks has gone back and forth these past weeks. But I went to Japan for two weeks, and a lot of people were already, like, wearing masks. Like, they do it out of politeness, courtesy, and they have a sniffle. 
But in Tokyo, the disease is just spreading anyway. So it kind of makes me even debate what what masks are actually doing again. Right. But well, I, part I mean, of it I don't is know. The, the act of wearing a mask isn't enough if you're not washing your hands and washing like, your you're hands, touching right. it. And, you know, so... So it's it's really not an. I think hand washing is probably more important than mask washing as long as you you don't have an active infection, you know. Uh, right. But then you should probably be home. Is the bottom line. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Bill Gates didn't really talk about like what the future is. He mainly was you know asked kind of about his previous TED talk and why this is different. And he was like, well, SARS and MERS weren't respiratory; they weren't spread that way. Hmm. And so. Or And then Ebola was, like, as soon as you got it, you were bedridden. So you weren't going to the airport. You weren't thinking you were okay. And then Interesting. Right, right. This has a longer um, period before you start exhibiting symptoms. Yeah. So any advice you want to give to people? Social distance? You know, I, I think home. still the main thing is is kind of the stuff we discussed from the beginning is is wash your hands be aware of what you're touching and touching your face. If you are sick, don't go out. Um, right. Even at all. Um, at all. And and even if you're you're you know even if you sneeze, you know all too often you know you see someone at least pre-corona would just cough you know without bothering to cover right. their mouth and and then wash their hands. So, mm-hmm. you know, we just need to be more aware of those kind of things. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, we we didn't – I just want to totally digress, you know. Sure. So there's all this stuff about um, landlords and tenants and paying your rent and not paying your rent. You know, everybody's out of work. No one's making – a lot of people aren't making money. So there's a big concern mm-hmm. now of landlords – um, not getting their rent, and and I've read and heard about certain landlords have even reached out to their tenants and said, you know, the ones who could afford it, and said, listen, you know, we understand what you're going through, you know, take a month off of paying rent. And certain medical practices have had that, you know, um, uh, uh, their their buildings reach out to them and tell them that. So we're actually in the middle of. I sent an email to uh, where we rent our space, and it's a fairly big space. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we're in prime real estate. I sent an email out to the building saying, you know, these are tough times right now. We're trying. We we do not want to lay off any staff. We still have all our expenses. The reality is that our practice is down to five to ten percent volume in terms of patients and surgery. Um, and I said, you know, can you guys give us a break? And uh, and, and our building is a, a major, you know, publicly traded company. So you, they have deep mm-hmm. pockets. And what yeah, they said, and what they said was, well, if you need something, please write us a letter and address it. So I emailed them a letter, and mm-hmm. their response was, and I'm very disappointed. Their response was, we will let you take a month off from rent. And you could then use over the next 12 months, pay that rent off, you know, and add it to your regular rent. So the bottom line is no, they're not going to give us any sort of break, mm-hmm. but they'll let I us. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. I so that was very disappointing. Yeah, that's ridiculous because you guys are the heroes that are braving the storm. That is really disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Even Even like had they said, you know, Pay us a half month's rent, something like that. Um, 
you know, but the fact that all they said was, yeah, we'll let you just have one month, but then pay it, you know, fully over the course of 12 months, that's... That's not really helpful. It's a bit of a smack in the face, mm-hmm. especially since, yeah. you know, we're we're 10-year tenants in this building. You know, it's not like we're brand new people. Um and we're doctors trying to, you know, be here at the hospital taking care of patients. So, uh, and next year I wouldn't be surprised if they started raising people's rents just because the oh, for sure, feel, yeah, for sure. People like, aren't I, always kind. People aren't always kind. No, they they don't always do the right thing. That's definitely a, a rare thing. And then just um, so I wanted to digress and complain and and uh, about that. Thank no, you I think for that's interesting. Lauren. I think that like. I mean, I heard that Airbnb, I was worried about, like, where are the nurses in, like, the city staying after, like, those long shifts? Like, I think some hotels are giving up free rooms. Airbnb is, like, giving out a lot of rooms. But Yeah. Yeah, I think for, like, I think for the big, like, property managers, they probably don't care as much. Yeah. And interestingly, Cedar sinai has now for their staff, they're giving them three nights at, there's a local hotel where they set up some rooms for the nurses and staff um, who are, you know, here for extended periods of days, you know, who are concerned about going home. So they're, they they now have set up areas for them to change and shower and then even stay locally at a local hotel, which is pretty impressive. Oh, that's great because, yeah, that answers my question because I was wondering, like, how are these people going home to their families after all this? It's yeah. going to be too much. So yeah. sometimes so, they aren't. Yeah, and I'm just wearing my scrubs. I'm not wearing regular clothing anymore. I'm not even mm-hmm. bothering with my lab coat. And then as soon as I get home, I chuck my scrubs into the hamper and mm-hmm. and wash my hands and put on a fresh pair of usually sweats. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and that's it. Yeah. And Lastly, your, fam- your family's what? fine. They feel your family's not extra worried about you. They're they are a little bit, but um. You know, what are you going to do? I, I, I right. think, um, I don't know. I, I don't know what, you know, I, they, they know I'm being as careful as possible. Kind of like right. um, the movie Bridge of Spies. Did you ever see that movie? Tom yeah. Hanks? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think we may have discussed it. I really like that movie. Uh, I don't, I'd seen it years later on a plane, but what I liked about that movie was the the Russian spy guy that Tom Hanks wound up defending um he tom hanks would then they became friendly even tom hanks would always say to him hey listen aren't aren't you worried about that things are going to be awful and the guy would turn to him and say would it help me at all if i were worried and tom hanks would go no he said so what's the point of me being worried so that is a really good thing to end with because i needed to hear that you're right yeah that's a good point yeah but the but the only other thing is what have we been watching? We didn't discuss that at all. So you know during these quarantine times, I wanted to just briefly talk about because we we yes, started watching usually some other end with stuff. something lighter entertainment. Tell me, tell me. Yeah. So um, last week I sat my girls down and we watched the original Sabrina. Uh, oh, the Audrey is Audrey. Yeah, the Audrey Hepburn, Humphrey Bogart, and uh, who is the other guy? Is it Powell? Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, I don't know his name. Yeah, and uh, which is a classic. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was impressed that my kids even stayed to watch it. You know, it's hard to get get these kids to watch these things. I really, um, 
I really want them to to you know I I'm such a lover of movies so I'd really love to get them to watch these things but it it's hard it's hard. Well, you got that's a pretty dated movie now, but super dated. Movie, so super dated. They watched it. They, they watched like it? it. One got up and didn't watch the entire William Holden. That's the other guy, William Holden. Okay. Um, You're right. But my youngest one, who, who's really into movies, she she kind of enjoyed it. The problem is, is she was kind of like creeped out, but but by the age difference between Audrey <laughs> Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart and William Holden. I mean, there well, was a market. Audrey Hepburn has that like delicate like little face too. So yeah. Kind of, yeah. Right, but even in the thing there was like a, a major age difference. Like she was just like right. maybe a late teenager, early, early twenties, and I think he's supposed to be at least forty, you know, who she winds up with. Um, I forgot about that. That's a good point, but I got kind of used to it with just entertainment in general, I feel like right. like Tom Cruise is always with like a twenty year old, so I guess yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I guess he looks better than Sugar. Yeah, so my kids were really creeped out about that. They, they, they thought that William Holden looked old, especially Bogart, you know, and she winds up with Bogart. So, um, so that was that was kind of interesting. Um, Anything else you guys are watching? We, st- my wife and I, finally started watching Ozark, the new, the third season. We're watching that too. It's yeah. all right. It's pretty good. Are you just all right. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, my wife probably feels just all right too. Uh, I'm really enjoying it, but it's so like it's it's for me. It's hard to watch. It's kind of like I have to take breaks from it because it's really like um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's intense. It's just so intense yeah. that that it's maybe hard. that's why I feel that way too. That it's just like all right because it feels kind of confining, and then we're already confined. So yeah, that's part of my problem. A little bit, yeah. So, like, last night it, we we were watching and it kind of got to a real intense part and I'm like, let's turn it off because I, I just <laughs> I just needed I needed a break, you know, so. Right, right. Yeah. Well, but we're going to get through this. This this yeah. too shall pass, as, as my mother-in-law says. Uh, so we're going to get through this. Right, Lauren? Yeah. Yeah, how's your mother-in-law doing? She likes she's doing herself. great. She's all by herself with her dog, uh, but I think she, she, she likes – doing that but thank god she's doing great and uh she walks her dog she's doing okay uh, i miss her i can't wait to see her so yeah um, i'm sure she can't wait to see that yeah so thanks for joining us on gross anatomy everybody thanks everybody thanks dr cohen stay safe stay healthy everybody and lauren um we will be back next week i hope we're going to figure out an amazing topic we're going to hopefully yeah. get back to guests and Thanks, everybody. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.